0: Dan Radio Style, hope everybody out there is having themselves a great day. Last chapter from Out of This World. Neville Goddard hits this one out of the park as well. One of the biggest takeaways on this is the only way that you can actually change, the only way any of us can actually change what's going on in our outer world is to change what's going on in our inner world. And one of the biggest problems that all of us face, all of us face, myself included, is we don't like to acknowledge the fact that maybe we're wrong. Maybe we've not quite looked at under every stone. Maybe we've overlooked some component of ourselves that we just haven't seen. And it's that place that oftentimes where the biggest growth comes from, where the biggest aha comes from, where the biggest truth moment comes from is from realizing that place where we've just been kind of blindly saying something over and over and over. So 100% of our experience, pretty much, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm willing to debate the 80-20 rule on this, but most, if not all of our experiences come from, our outer experiences I should say, come from what's going on inside of ourselves. And that inside of ourselves part is the part that we need to pay attention to. Now, a lot of us, like money, for an example, maybe we're coming at it from a, it must come through a specific channel rather than kind of being open from abundance coming into all sorts of different ways. Or maybe I've got beliefs that money's evil. Maybe with relationships, maybe I don't trust the opposite sex, though I want to get in a relationship, but ultimately I keep catching myself saying, well, you can't really trust women. Really, Dan? And you're going to try to get in a relationship with a woman feeling like you can't trust women? I mean, there are a lot of things that we sometimes will hold inside of ourselves. Are we trying to be controlling in relationships? Are we needy, demanding? If we're putting out all this wonderful energy, it's great to use law of attraction to get yourself right up to the situation. But ultimately, if you're shooting out daggers or if your energy or who you are is kind of yicky, then it's probably not going to work real well, right? I mean, yeah, you can manifest an opportunity to be in front of somebody, but you can't necessarily manifest somebody to like, like mean people, right? So we've really got to look at what's going on inside ourselves. Maybe we've come a lot closer to manifesting the situation than we realize, but maybe because of how things are within ourselves, we're not necessarily manifesting the success that we want. And we can. And that's the beauty of all of it. A lot of it's just realizing that's where it comes from. So if your outer world is not quite what you want, because one of the things I hear a lot, I hear it frequently, is I'm doing everything right. I'm doing this. I've tried this technique. I've done this technique. I did it for 25 years straight and it never worked. So obviously, these techniques are crud. And it's like, well, that's no, that's not really necessarily true. In fact, I'm already sensing that you're kind of doubtful that this type of stuff works. So if you're already coming at it from a negative mind space, well, you're already making it much more challenging to have this benefit you. Your subconscious is already running off and trying to prove to you how it doesn't work. Maybe you could prove it does work. And you might be surprised at what you see when you do. The views we hold, the things that we have inside ourselves are what challenge our outer reality. Nothing else in the outer world really matters. It's what's going on inside yourself. And accepting again that maybe there's something we can change. That maybe we're a little wrong about something is sometimes self-included. The hardest thing to do is looking in the mirror and going, yeah, you were wrong. It's okay, though. It's okay. You change, you grow, and you learn, and it becomes super successful. And I've talked about it frequently. Don't be scared of mistakes. Mistakes are your best friend. I mean, they won't pick you up at the airport, so what kind of good is that? But mistakes are fantastic, and they help us grow. They help show the way, and they help show us sometimes what I call even the contrast. Like, wow, I have been holding these sorts of views and I didn't realize it. Bam, the second, the second you see it, it's like literally a flip of the switch, right? The second you realize it and see it for what it is and truly at that point, that's when it just changes because you finally see it for what it is and you're like, oh no, that's definitely not true. And you stop. That immediately changes in your outer world. Your outer world. Like, you will get a phone call right after from one of the people that you're having some struggle with. And be like, oh my God, I haven't talked to you in a long time. I've missed you. You're like, what? Like, in my mind, I thought we were having a fight. And they're like, nah. Getting along great. So again, what's going on inside of ourselves is what is pushed out. What is outside of ourselves. It is the world is us pushed out is what Goddard had claimed. Anyway, chapter four, no one to change but self. No smarter words. The ideal we serve and strive to attain could never be evolved from were it not potentially involved in our nature. It is now my purpose to retell and to emphasize an experience of mine printed by me two years ago. I believe these quotations from The Search will help us to understand the operation of the law of consciousness and show us that we have no one to change but self. Once in an idle interval at sea, I meditated on the perfect state and wondered what I would be were I of two pure eyes to behold inequity. If to me all things were pure, and were I without condemnation. As I became lost in this fiery brooding, I found myself lifted above the dark environment of the senses. So intense was the feeling, I felt myself a being of fire dwelling in a body of air. Voices as from a heavenly chorus, with the exaltation of those who had been conquerors in conflict with death, were singing, He is risen, he is risen, and intuitively I knew they meant me. Then I seemed to be walking in the night. I soon came upon a scene that might have been the ancient pool of Bethesda, for it is the place lay a great magnitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting not for the moving of the water as to tradition, but waiting for me. As I came near, without thought or effort on my part, they were, one after the other, molded as by the magician of the beautiful. Eyes, hands, feet, all missing members were drawn from some invisible reservoir and molded in harmony with that perfection, which I felt strengthened within me. When all was made perfect, the chorus exalted, It is finished. Then the scene dissolved, and I awoke. I know this vision was the result of my intense meditation upon the idea of perfection, for my meditations invariably bring about the union with the state contemplated. I had been so completely absorbed within the idea that, for a while, I had become what I contemplated, and the high purpose with which I had, for that moment, identified myself, drew the companionship of high things, and fashioned the vision in harmony with my inner nature." The ideal with which we are united works by association of ideas to awaken a thousand moods, to create a drama in keeping with the central idea. My mystical experiences have convinced me that there is no way to bring about the outer perfection we seek, other than by transformation of ourselves. As soon as we succeed in transforming ourselves, the world will melt magically before our eyes and reshape itself in harmony with that which we are transformation affirms. In the divine economy, nothing is lost. We cannot lose anything save by descent from the sphere where the thing has its natural life. There is no transforming power in death, and whether we are here or there, we fashion the world that surrounds us by the intensity of our imagination and feeling. And we illuminate or darken our lives by the concepts we hold of ourselves. Nothing is more important to us than our conception of ourselves, and especially is this true of our conception of the dimensionally greater one within us. One of the things that really stands out to me in this particular paragraph, we cannot lose anything saved by descent from the sphere where the thing has its natural life. We cannot lose anything that we have already. It's one of the things that I think a lot of us do. We separate ourselves from that which we're trying to create anyways. We create this, it's out there. We create this, I'm trying to make it happen. We create this, I must have it to be happy. We create this concept of it's separate from me and I'm trying to make it come to me. When in reality, it's already in you or it needs to be in order to show up in the outer you. Those who help or hinder us, whether they know it or not, are the servants of that law which shapes outward circumstances in harmony with our inner nature. It is our conception of ourselves which frees or constrains us, though it may use material agencies to achieve its purpose. Because life molds the outer world to reflect the inner arrangements of our minds, there is no way of bringing about the outer perfection we seek other than by transformation of ourselves. No help cometh from without. The hills to which we lift our eyes are those of an inner range. It is thus to our own consciousness that we must turn as to the only reality, the only foundation on which all phenomena can be explained. We can rely absolutely on the justice of this law to give us only that which is of the nature of ourselves. We can only create that which we know. We can only create things that we're actually aware of, that things we actually understand. You can't actually create things that you have no concept of, no understanding of, no recollection, no one, no even little bit of a, I kinda sorta think I know what that might feel like. Without even imagining it a little bit, it becomes impossible to create that type of situation. Maybe similar stuff that doesn't quite have it because it's that perfect component that many of us are looking for. To attempt to change the world before we change our concepts of ourselves is to struggle against the nature of things. There can be no outer change until there is first an inner change. As within, so without. Again, something that's been used by the ages, for the ages. Abdullah was talking about this, I'm quite sure. As within, so without. It is an adage that's used in spiritual circles all over the place. I am not advocating philosophical indifference when I suggest that we should imagine ourselves as already that which we want to be. Living in the mental atmosphere of greatness rather than using physical means and arguments to bring about the desired change. Everything we do, accompanied by a change of consciousness, is but futile readjustments of surfaces. However we toil or struggle, we can receive no more than our assumptions affirm. To protest against anything which happens to us is to protest against the law of our being and our ruleship over our own destiny. The circumstances of my life are too closely related to my conception of myself not to have been formed by my own spirit from some dimensionally larger storehouse of my being. If there is a pain to me in these happenings, I should look within myself for the cause, for I am moved here and there and made to live in the world in harmony with my concept of myself. Intense meditations bring about a union with the state contemplated, and during this union we see visions, have experiences, and behave in keeping with our change of consciousness. This shows us that a transformation of consciousness will result in a change of environment and behavior. All wars prove that violent emotions are extremely potent in precipitating mental rearrangements. Every great conflict has been followed by an era of materialism and greed, in which the ideals for which the conflict ostensibly was waged are submerged. This is inevitable because war evokes hate, which impels a descent into consciousness from the plane of the ideal to the level where the conflict is waged. If we would become as emotionally aroused over our ideals as we become over our dislikes, we would ascend to the plane of our ideal as easily as we now descend to the level of our hates. It's just as easy to go up as it is to go down. It's all based off of what we focus on, what we think about, what we entertain, what our consciousness is, what's going on inside of us. Love and hate have a magical, transforming power, and we grow through their exercise into the likeness of what we contemplate. By intensity of hatred, we create in ourselves the character we imagine in our enemies. Qualities die for want of attention, so the unlovely states might best be rubbed out by imagining beauty for ashes and joy for mourning, rather than direct attacks on the state from which we would be free. Whatsoever things are lovely and of good report, think of these things. For we become that which we are in report. There is nothing to change but our concept of self. As soon as we succeed in transforming self, our world will dissolve and reshape itself in harmony with that which changes will be affirmed. He's 100% on the money. One of the hardest things for us to realize is that all these thoughts and feelings, all these things that we carry with us, all these beliefs, all these discussions we have inside our head, all of these predefined views of everybody around us, of people of this type and people of that type and people of this country and people of that country, people that live on that street versus that street. We all have these decisions about people. And these decisions, not just about people, but about places, about things, about what we're trying to manifest. These beliefs that we hold are oftentimes what are holding us back it's the fact that we're not open to this perfection the fact that we haven't actually become the thing we desire because from the state of the thing desired one you have it so you're no longer looking for it truly you have it and two you actually know what that feels like you know what it is to have that when prior you might not have knowing the experience that we desire Feeling it and being it and changing inside ourselves to allow it to unfold is the only way we can possibly change our realities. Out of this world, beautifully done, Neville Goddard, Stan Radio Style.